Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same Spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Gospel according to St. Matthew Jesus said to the chief priests and elders of the people, What is your opinion? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. He said in reply, I will not. But afterwards changed his mind and went. The man came to the other son and gave the same order. He said in reply, Yes, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did his father's will? They answered, The first. Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him, but tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet, even when you saw that, you did not later change your mind and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord The parable of the two sons sent into the vineyard. True obedience is born of love. The Lord was teaching in the temple when he told this parable. What do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterwards, he repented and went. And he went to the second and said to, this, to him the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Jesus asked his listeners, Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first son was the one. Jesus then reveals the supernatural significance of the lesson. Truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the right way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the harlots believed him. John the Baptist had shown the way of salvation, yet the scribes and the Pharisees, the people who were supposedly dedicated to God's service, did not take the persecutor seriously. They are symbolized by the son who said, I go, sir, but did not go to the vineyard. As far as anyone could tell, these officials were very rigorous in their observance of the law. Yet, when the moment of their truth of the truth arrived, that being the testimony of John the Baptist, these religious leaders showed their true colors. They were not docile to the divine will, 
in the fulfillment of the law. On the other hand, a great number of tax collectors and sinners responded to the Baptist's call for repentance. They are represented by the son who at first said, I will not, but in the event went to work in the vineyard. He obeyed and thereby pleased his father enormously. The Lord himself teaches by us by example to carry out the will of the Father. Christ inaugurated the kingdom of heaven and earth and revealed to us the mystery of that kingdom. By his obedience, he brought about redemption. In the second reading for today's Mass, St. Paul emphasizes how Jesus revealed his love for us through obedience. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. The Romans and the Jews considered crucifixion to be the most degrading form of execution. Consequently, it was a punishment reserved for slaves and the worst of criminals. What a profound mystery lies in the fact that God the Son chose to do the will of God the Father, even to this utterly humiliating extent. Christ obeyed out of love. This is the Christian meaning of obedience, that which we owe to God, that which we give to the church, that which we give to our parents and those in authority over us. God does not want to be served by slaves or by robots. God wants to be served by his sons and daughters. He desires a willing and cheerful obedience that comes straight from the heart. St. Teresa recalled how she once became envious of the penances done by a woman she knew. St. Teresa would have done the same penances, but her confessor prohibited her from doing so. She wondered whether it would be better to emulate her penitent friend rather than to obey her confessor. After a while, Jesus told her, My daughter, you are heading the right way. Do you see how much penance this woman does? Know that I have an even greater esteem for your obedience. The Example of Christ, Obedience and Freedom As we have just heard from St. Paul, the obedience lived by Christ was not a matter of mere submission to the will of the Father. Christ became obedience itself. He became perfectly united to the plans of the Father for the salvation of the human race. Christ practiced an active obedience, a very good sign of one's being on the right road in the spiritual life is one's willingness to obey others. Pride inclines us to do our own will and to seek what exalts us, not to wish to be directed by others, but to direct them. Obedience is opposed to this pride. The only Son of the Father came down from heaven to save us, to cure our pride, becoming obedient unto death and even to the death of the, of the cross. Jesus wants to teach us the path of self-denial. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This psalms appears in today's liturgy of the hours. Obedience springs from freedom, 
while at the same time leading us to greater freedom. When a person obeys with all his heart, he is actually conversing, conserving his freedom by choosing the good. This truth is somewhat analogous to the situation of a person going on a trip. Without a doubt, he does not feel restricted by the markings on the highway. Similarly, a mountain climber does not feel constrained by the rope that ties him to his companions. There are many such examples in which we can be taken from ordinary life. Love is essential to Christian obedience. Christ obeyed the will of the Father not because he had to, but rather because he wanted to. Love is what makes our obedience fully free. For the person who wants to follow Christ, the law is never a burden. It becomes a burden only in so far as one fails to discern the call of Christ. Therefore, if the law sometimes seems burdensome, it may not be the law so much as our keenness to follow Christ that needs amending. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That is why I want to obey you and your church, Lord, not primarily because I see the reasonableness of that is commanded. No, primarily because I want to love you and to show you my love, and also because I am convinced that your commandments come from love and sets me free. I will run in the way of thy commandments when thou enlargest my understanding. And I shall walk at liberty, for I have sought thy precepts. Desires to imitate Jesus Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. St. Gregory the Great has commented on on this verse from the first book of Samuel. It is fitting that obedience is juxtaposed to the sacrificial victims. For just as the animal meat is immolated, so too obedience involves the emulation of our will. This sacrifice is the most difficult one to perform because it concerns our inmost being. That is why it is so pleasing to the Lord. To a certain extent, this may explain why Jesus was so emphatic about the indispensable nature of this virtue. Let us not forget that our teacher in obedience is the one whom even the winds and sea obey. All interior progress relates to growth in this key virtue. This concept is stressed throughout the Old Testament, as in the book of Proverbs, where we read, Vir obedienz vecutur victorium. An obedient man shall speak of victory. He who obeys will triumph. He will obtain grace and light from God. As St. Peter told the high priest in the council, We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. St. Teresa has exclaimed, O virtue of obedience, it can do everything. Because this virtue is so important to our pursuit of sanctity, the devil tempts us with all manner of excuses so that we might disobey. The practice of Christian obedience unites us to the mystery of the cross and our redemption. The person who sets limits on his obedience is consequently setting limits on his union with Christ.
an obedient person, a disobedient person will not be able to imitate the Lord. Have this mind among yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. We should make a good examination of conscience about the quality of our obedience. Am I doing what God wants me to do? Do I give in to my vanity, my mood, my whims? Do I listen to the Lord's voice and spiritual direction? Do I practice true Christian obedience, which is interior, prompt, cheerful, humble, and discreet? Let us ask Our Lady to inspire us to imitate Christ through our humble obedience. Obey without so much useless brooding. Appearing sad or reluctant when asked to do something is a very considerable fault. But just to feel like this is not only no fault, but that can in fact be the opportunity for a greater victory, for crowning an act of heroic virtue. I have not invented this. Remember the Gospel tells us that the Father asked his two sons to do the same job, and Jesus rejoices in the one who, despite raising difficulties, does it. He rejoices because discipline is the fruit of love. We give you thanks, Almighty God, for all thy benefits. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.